Well, good morning, church. I know you can't see it, but I can see a hair sticking off this microphone. I think it's gone. I mean, there's another one. It's a dog hair. Never buy a dog with white hair, okay? Because you see it everywhere you go. So, well, today we are on part three of our message series called Blessed. Now, we're going to take a break for a couple of weeks, although actually next week's message is very much in keeping with the, uh, this theme, but we're, we will be taking a break from it for a couple of weeks because we've got exciting stuff happening next week and the following week, and then we'll come back to it. And I, today's message really takes the last two messages and brings them together. So if you were here, I want to remind you, if you weren't here or you didn't watch it online, then I'll, I'll just give you a quick recap. The first week, two weeks ago, we it was called Decide to be Blessed. And we looked at, a, at passages of Scripture where God says, look, there are two different pathways before you. There's a path of life that is filled with one blessing after. Is this working? Yeah. The path of death that's filled with one curse after another. And so God says, there are, there are set before you these two paths. Therefore, choose the path of life. Make a decision. Decide ye this day whom you will serve, right? And we need to make a decision to go God's way, to go the path of life, and we will discover that this year, if we walk in that path, there are lots of blessings left along that path. But if we make the wrong decision and we decide to go down the wrong path for our life, away from God's will for our life, well, there's a whole bunch of negative stuff down that path you don't really want. And so we saw in the first week that there are blessings. God has blessings, blessings in this life. The blessing of peace of mind, harmony in the home, healing for the body, financial provision. There are blessings that God gives us for this life. And we have to make a decision that we're going to go God's way in order to enjoy the blessings. We need to decide to be blessed. Then last week was called Blessed Assurance. It was not about the blessings that God gives us in this life, but it was about the most important blessing of all, and that is the blessing of eternal salvation, and that we can have total and full assurance of our salvation so that we know that after this life is over, we have assurance that we will be with our loving Heavenly Father, with our Savior Jesus Christ for all eternity. And that assurance of salvation is a far more important and a greater blessing than all the material stuff that God can and does bless us with as well. Now today, you're going to see that those aren't two separate things, but they're actually connected. Because when the spiritual part is put right, then the other blessings fall into place. 
when we seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness in our life, then everything else that we need will be added unto us. So today's message is called blessed or blessed are the pure in heart. You will remember that. That is uh, one of the Beatitudes. And so if we put, we've got a scripture verse here. It's from Matthew 5, 8. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The implication is that other people won't see God. It's only the pure in heart that see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, of course, when we die, we will see God face to face. And you know, people talk about heaven very often. What's heaven like? Do you think we've got a mansion in heaven, an actual house that we live in and things like that? And people talk about all the, all the possible blessings of heaven, but the greatest blessing of all is the fact that we will behold God face to face. We will bask in the eternal bliss of the vision of God. And only those whose hearts have been made pure will see God, will actually see God when we die. But hey, if our hearts are pure, even in this life, we will see God in many ways. We will see God at work in our life, at work in all things, and at work causing all things to work together for our good. So this says, blessed are the pure in heart. Now, let's talk about the heart. When the Bible talks about our heart, it's not talking about the blood pump, unless it is. I mean, like, if it says somebody got stabbed through the heart, then that is obviously what it means. But when it's talking about believe with all your heart, it's talking about the core of your being, the depth of your being, the real you that lives inside that body, the real you that is looking out through the windows of your soul, the eyes are the windows of the soul, and your soul is looking out of your windows into the world. The real you, the real person, the spiritual being within, the inner person. Now, here's a question. If, that, if, the, if our heart is the real inner person within, should we follow our heart? I'm sure you've seen lots, you, you've heard it and seen posters and all kinds of things that, about following your heart and how you should follow your heart. And I've noticed that in the Christian church, there's a whole lot of misunderstanding about whether or not we should follow our heart. And one of the reasons is because very often we will even hear non-Christians, non-believers saying, well, I'm just going to do this because I'm following my heart. And sometimes we will see people claiming to follow their heart, or maybe sometimes we are those people claiming to follow our heart, and actually we are making stupid and dysfunctional decisions. And then when you see that, you think, well, don't follow your heart if it's going to lead you to make a stupid decision. And then Christians will very often say, you cannot follow your heart, you cannot trust your heart, because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things 
and desperately wicked. In fact, let's have a look at this verse. It's in Jeremiah. This is the only verse that many Christians know about the heart. And have a look at this. Here it is in context. It says, the sin of Judah is inscribed with an iron chisel, engraved with a diamond point on their stony hearts. This is saying that our hearts are sinful and that the sin isn't just like a little bit of dirt that can be washed away. Our heart is like a stone that somebody has taken a chisel or a diamond-pointed pen and actually inscribed, written, has written our sins on our heart, right? And then it says, this is what the Lord says, cursed are those. Well, we don't want to be cursed. This message series is not called cursed. It's called what? Blessed, right? Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength. There is nothing we can do in our own human strength to change our hearts, okay? Who, who rely on human strength, and, and look at this, who turn their hearts away from the Lord. It's almost like your heart is pointing in a direction. You can point your heart towards the Lord, or you can turn your heart away from the Lord. And then he says here, but blessed, shout blessed. blessed. Right, this is a bit we want. We don't want the first bit, right? But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. So that's the context. There's two kinds of people. There's people who have turned their hearts away from the Lord, and their sin is inscribed upon their stony hearts like a chisel. And then there are those who with their hearts have put their trust in the Lord. Now let's read on. The next verse says this, and this is the one everybody knows. For the human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? Now, by the way, this was written hundreds of years BC. And you know, I always think it's, I, I'm always amused when you hear some atheist or skeptic say, what are you reading a book that comes from the Bronze Age for? Or something like that. Oh, well, should we go to the university and learn all about the psychology of man? Because was it not, it was not until round about the time of Freud, which wasn't that long ago, that humans finally realized, duh, we have a subconscious mind, and we don't even know what goes on in our subconscious mind. And my goodness, here's a book from the Bronze Age that knew about human psychology thousands of years before humans discovered their own psychology. It says here, no one knows what's going on in their heart. Who can know it? That's why it's called your unconscious, because you are unconscious of what is going on in there. You are only consciously aware of what is going on in your conscious mind. You are unconscious uh, about what is going on in your subconscious mind. You don't know, you don't even know your own heart, and you don't know all of the different undercurrents that are in there seeking to lead you astray. So, 
And then he says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So here we have a situation where it's saying here that all humans, our heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. We don't even know what's going on deep down inside us at times. We don't even know. Let's, you, you will watch somebody at times and you'll think, why did they make that decision? Why did they do that thing? What made them do that? And if you asked them, they would say, I don't know what made me do it. Didn't Jesus say, Father, forgive them? They know not what they do. So this should warn us that there are lots of influences deep inside us that we're not even aware of that could lead us in the right direction or could lead us in the wrong direction. And it's all dependent on whether we have a sinful heart that has just been described or a pure heart like Jesus described. Blessed are the pure in heart they shall see God. And if we have a pure heart that is turned towards the Lord, then our heart will lead us in the right direction. I want to tell you a story about how God can change a deceitful and desperately wicked heart, and by a miracle of His grace, He can make it into a pure heart. Now, this story is from a long time ago, it, it, at least 25 years ago. I was a young pastor. I was about the same age as Pastor Darian, and I had the same job in this church, in, in that church that Pastor Darian has in this church, right? So it was quite a long time ago. I was a young pastor, assistant associate pastor in a church in Scotland. And um, one of my jobs was on the first Sunday of every month, in the evening at 6 p.m., we had a healing service, and it was normally me that spoke at that healing service. And God began to really move in an amazing way. People were being healed. I mean, like even some miracles, visible, obvious miracles happened. People were coming to faith in Christ every month. And then because it was in the Sunday evening, um, some word got about the town, and some Christians from other churches started to kind of visit in the Sunday night to check it out and to see uh, what was going on. Uh, for any of you that are online that are watching from Scotland, this took place in Renfrew Town Hall, Living Word Christian Center. In fact, some of you might, I'm sure there's some people watching that were even there that day. And, uh, and so this night, I'll never forget this night, it was very memorable. Um, I was down the front talking to the worship team before things started, and up the back I could see people coming in the door. My mother was there, and she was up the back getting a coffee or something like that, and these two Pentecostal ladies came in. Now, I know they were Pentecostal I did, because they told everybody. That, I mean, they, they came in and announced it, you know, and uh, they were very, very large ladies, in every way. I mean, physically, their personalities were very large, their voices were very loud, they both had a tambourine, and in fact, one of them had little tambourine bells on her shoes. Now, back in the day, I presumed she had made them, but I actually saw a photo of these on social media recently. It seems like they're, they're actually a thing. You can buy them, tambourine shoes, right? So she jingled on the way down the aisle. Anyway, so they came in, 
in the door, hallelujah, and all this noisy stuff. And I could see them talking to my mother, and then they jingled all the way down, and they sat right on the front row. And I, I, my mother came down, I, she had an amused look on her face, and I said, uh, what, 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 what is it? And she said, oh, those two Pentecostal ladies just came up to me. She said, they're really abrupt, you know, and they said, this is our first time here. Have you heard this Martin Trench fella before? They said. And my mother said, yes, he's my son. And the woman said, blessed are thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. <laughs> then got her coffee and cookies and jingled down to the front row, right? <laughs> Anyway, the service started. We had the worship. I, I remember the place was jumping that night. It was packed. These ladies in the front row, they loved the worship. They were enjoying it. Then got, I got up to preach. I can even remember, like normally I can't remember that. I, my memory's not that good. But I can remember it was such a memorable night. I preached on the verse, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He forgave sinners yesterday. He delivered the oppressed yesterday. He healed the sick yesterday. He's doing it today and will be doing it forever. That was basically my message. And, um, and then I, uh, I said, we're going to pray for the sick now. Who would like prayer for healing? And this man came down the front. Oh, by the way, the Pentecostal ladies loved the message. I mean, I liked having them in the front row. They were giving it amen and hallelujah. And if I, if I was really on fire, they even picked up their tambourine and shook it, you know. So, so this man, this man comes down the front row. And I know this sounds judgmental. I don't mean it to sound like this. Actually, my heart broke for the man when I saw him. This man came down, and the only way I can describe him is he looked unclean outside and inside. And as he came down to the front, I could tell this man has been like a hardcore alcoholic for decades, for a long, long time. And his eyes were totally dead. It was like there was no hope. He was completely hopeless, totally hopeless. And he came down the front. He couldn't even, he was so ashamed, he couldn't even lift his head up. And he came down, and I came down and I said to him, what would you like prayer for? And he said, I'm an alcoholic. And I said to him, are you born again? And he looked a bit confused and he said, I was born in Poland. <laughs> So I thought, okay, this, this guy, this, everything is new to him, right? So I said, you heard me talk about Jesus. Would you like to give your life to Jesus Christ? And he said, he wouldn't want me. And I said, listen, how did you get here today? Well, I was going down the road and I bumped into a friend who was on the way here and they talked me into coming. I said, God brought you here tonight. You had no intentions of coming here tonight. God arranged it because he wants you to be part of his family. And he said, if God would take me, I would give my life to him. And so I started to lead this man in a prayer, you know, a prayer, I put my faith in Christ and I believe he died on the cross for my sins and rose again. And the prayer started to go okay until we got about halfway through and started to say the name of Jesus. And then the man began to behave rather strangely. His face began to contort and his teeth wouldn't open. And I'm saying, and you know, just repeat after me, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. 
And I'm like, oh, I've met you guys before. I know what this is. <laughs> and as we led him in the prayer of salvation, he then was thrown in the floor and had what looked like an epileptic seizure right on top of the tambourine shoes of the woman in the front row. And those two women who were like mighty warriors of faith shrieked and jumped up on their chairs. You know like in cartoons when a mouse comes and the women always shriek? And they were like, ah! <laughs> and then they began to pray in tongues, really, like not in faith. It was like panic praying, you know. <laughs> anyway, he's having this fit. So I just went down and I grabbed him and I just said, this man has put his faith in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus sets him free and every dark spirit must leave him now. He just went limp and he lay there. So I said, would anybody else like prayer? All the hands were down there. <laughs> <laughs> and after a few minutes, this man stood up and he looked totally different. His eyes were alive, they were sparkly. He even looked clean, like he'd just had a shower or something. I mean, like he looked different. And he got up and I said, Are you okay? He said, I feel wonderful. And everyone rejoiced and all that. And he went back to seat. We carried on with the service. And we went home that night. And we were all like high in the Holy Spirit. Oh, God's amazing. Isn't that amazing what God did? Never saw the man again. Ever. And so I presumed, oh man, that must be one of these, you know, the parable of the sower where some people receive the word with joy instantly, but then they fall away really quickly. And I thought, you know, Satan comes immediately to steal the word out of their heart, the Bible says. And I thought, oh, God was doing something amazing that night. I take it the enemy came in and took that man back to his old ways and all of that. And that's what I've thought for the last 25 years. Until last year, during the lockdown, I was on the phone to Scotland to my mother. And during the conversation, she just dropped in, oh, do you know who I saw the other day, Mr. So-and-so? And I said, who's that? She says, you know him, you know him, Mr. So-and-so. Yeah, that doesn't help me, I still don't know him. I don't know your talk. She says, do you not remember the alcoholic man who came to Renfrew Town Hall all those years ago and gave his life to Jesus and got, I said, wait a minute, you know this man? She said, I've known him for years. And I said, Mom, I have gone 25 years thinking this man was one of the parable of the sore things, you know? She says, well, I thought you knew. Well, I said, what happened to him? We never saw him again. She said, because he never had any transport. So the next Sunday, he started attending a little local church, and the man is still alive and healthy and walking with Jesus Christ 25 years later. And I thought, wow, that is the miracle of a change of heart where God takes someone with a deceptive heart, with a wicked heart, with a sinful heart, somebody who could not trust their own heart because their own heart continually led them to the dark side, but then God, by his grace, changed the man's heart and gave him a new heart and made him pure in heart, and that man's now blessed, and he will see God, and he will also see me. I might not have seen him for 25 years, 
years, but one day in heaven I'll say, dude, you're the man that was born in Poland. Come and give me a hug right here. I'll tell you, God is in, the, is in the business of changing sinful hearts and making them into pure hearts. Look what it says. Put up the next scripture. Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. The man looked clean at the end of it. Your, your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols and I will give you a new heart. You can follow your heart if God has given you a new heart. I mean, God hasn't taken your deceptive, wicked heart out and then thought, what have I got here? Another deceptive, wicked one. I'll just stick it back. No, he put a pure heart. He put a new heart within you. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take out of you the stony heart and... Uh, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you that you will follow my decrees and you will be careful to obey all my regular. God promises here that he will give people a new heart. Well, when's he going to do that? When we die? Or no. That's what the gospel's all about. That's what the new covenant's all about. Look at this verse. Look at this, Jeremiah 31 in the Old Testament. And then it is quoted verbatim for in Hebrews 8. And look what it says. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. That's when Jesus died on the cross, bore our sins, and then on the third day rose again from the dead, a new covenant covenant, a new agreement was made between God and man. I will make a new covenant, a new agreement with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. What is the new covenant? Let's read on. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their heart. Listen, if you've put your faith in Jesus before you were a Christian, your heart, spiritually speaking, was like a stone, it said. And all of your sins were engraved with a chisel upon your heart. That's what was written on your heart. But God has taken that old stony heart away and he's put a new tender heart within you and it's God. God's laws that are now written on your heart. In your heart, you want to obey God. You want to follow God. And he says, and I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to greatest will know that you realize that God's kingdom is expanding. It starts like a 
seed, but it grows into a giant tree. It starts like a little bit of yeast, but it leavens the whole planet. It starts like a little stone, but it grows into a mountain that fills the earth. Do you know the day is coming where you won't have to evangelize anymore? You'll never need to say to someone, know the Lord, for they shall all know the Lord, from the least to the greatest. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. And you know, see if you, if you feel like my heart, my heart is hard, it is, my sins are written upon it, I have never put, opened up my heart and put my trust in Christ. Well, you can do that today. But maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I've done that. I did that years ago. But sometimes my heart is not directed towards the Lord. Sometimes I turn my heart away from the Lord. Well, I want you to look at this next verse. Have a look at this, Isaiah 57. This is what the high and majestic one says, the one who fills the eternal realm with glory, whose name is holy. I dwell in high and holy places. Very often we think, God is so high. God is so holy. I'm so pathetic and sinful. He must be a mile away from me. He dwells in where it's high and holy. But he also dwells with the bruised and lowly in spirit, those who are humble and quick to repent. I dwell with them to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of those who are broken over their sin. Sometimes our hearts are turned away from God, and we need to turn them back to God. That's what repentance means, to turn around, to turn away, and to turn back to God. You know, there's a story in the Bible, very famous story, uh, and it's about someone who had a heart for God and who then turned their heart away from God, but God didn't abandon them. God made sure he turned his heart back to God again. It's the story of King David. In the Bible, David, who wrote most of the worship songs in the Bible, David is called a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. And yet, one day, the Bible tells us that David... David was supposed to be busy doing something else. Uh, what happened was this. All the kings in the neighboring countries had decided to go to war. And so David, as the king of Israel, should really have led his army out to protect and defend their nation. But David shirked his leadership responsibilities. He sent the army out, but he stayed home. You know, there's an old saying, the devil makes work for idle hands. And David is strolling about doing nothing, and he's up on his roof, and he happens to look out of his building, and he can see into the apartment of somebody else. And he sees a woman having a shower through her window. And his heart, instead of being turned towards the Lord, is turned away from God. That's when you don't trust your heart. That's when you don't follow your heart. When your heart, even if it is a new heart, if you've turned it away from the Lord, 
But when your heart is turned to the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Because your heart's desires are good when you're turned to the Lord. But when you're turned away from the Lord, your heart desires other things. And he sees that, and he says to one of his servants, who's that woman? Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Uriah was one of David's officers that he had sent out to war. Well, I'll cut a long story short because we don't have kids' ministry today and the children are in the room. But anyway, David sends for Bathsheba. David sins with Bathsheba. Bathsheba becomes pregnant as a result. David tries to make it look like it's her husband's baby. And when that's not going to work out, he ensures that his her husband is at the front of the battlefield so that he gets killed. And then David marries Bathsheba. And he thinks, whew. Oh, you see, once your heart's turned away from the Lord and you take one step in the wrong direction, you have to do other sins and tell other lies to cover for where you're going. But if you love God, even if you've turned your heart away, if God has given you a new heart, if you have put your faith in Christ, even if you have been tempted, even if you have given in to that temptation, even if you have turned your heart away from the Lord, He hasn't turned His heart away from you. And God sends a prophet to David, and the prophet confronts David about his sin. And David is brokenhearted over it. The prophet tells David about this guy that's done this terrible thing, and David says, who is this man? He should die. And the prophet says, you're the man. And David is broken over his sin. And look what David prays. Look at this. Next one. Psalm 51. The title of it is, A Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And it says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Do you see there's no arrogance in David? There's no, well, there's nothing wrong with what I did. I'm only human after all. He asks God for mercy. And then he says, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. By the way, you know your heart is right when you stop trying to justify things. I mean, like, I, so many people want to justify, well, I'm not as bad as that person. Or it's a 21st century, for goodness sake. And then you look to God, and God says, I don't change. My standards don't change. My word hasn't changed. What I said has not changed. The new covenant has not changed. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I do not change. Yeah, but I don't know if I like this bit in the Scriptures. The Word of God is forever established in heaven, the Bible says. God isn't going to rewrite the Bible. He's not going to change His mind about anything. The sooner we change our mind, which is the meaning of the word repent, as soon as we change our mind and agree with God, the better it will be for us. He says, he says wash me thoroughly. 
thoroughly and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So he feels bad. He's repenting. He's asking God to forgive him. But look, look at the next bit. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. If you're a true believer, if your heart has been regenerated, has been reborn, if God has taken away your old heart and given you a new heart and put his spirit within you, then when you're going down the wrong path, you know it. You know it deep in here. There is a wisdom in your secret heart that tells you this is not God's way. Now, if you've got the old hard heart, if you've got the old dead heart, it just is as dead as a stone and doesn't tell you anything. And he says here, um, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. I think there's more. Next one. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. We prayed this last week. We're going to pray again in just a couple of minutes. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold, the, uphold me with a willing spirit. Look, Imagine you've got a heart in here, and your heart is like a stone. It's dead. It's unresponsive. Your sins are chiseled upon it, with a ch written with a chisel upon it. And you can't hear from God. Your heart, you can't trust your heart. Your, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. You can't know it. It will take you away in the wrong direction. But then one day, you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. One day, you come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. One day, the gift of faith is imparted to you, and you believe, and you come alive inside. And God takes away the old stony heart with your sins chiseled on it, and he puts a new tender heart within you with his law written on it, meaning a heart that has a conscience, a conscience that speaks to you, that tells you this is the way to walk in it, and that's not the way. Don't walk in it. And if you turn that new heart towards God, it will lead you into the blessings of God. But even that new heart, like David, you can turn it away. And if you turn that heart away from God, it will not be in the right priority. And you may end up in a state of iniquity and sin and uncleanness, as this psalm says. But you don't need a new heart again. You just need to turn your heart to the Lord, and He will cleanse you. It would be like this. Imagine I had a lump of coal and a big diamond here. You know the diamond is made out of the coal, but with a lot more time and pressure. 
but the coal is dirty and the diamond's not. It's like your old heart was like a lump of dirty coal. And God took it away and he put a new heart. It's like a diamond. Now, that diamond can get dust, dirty on the outside. You can roll it around in the dirt and it's dirty on the outside. But all you need to do is wash it and it's brand new again. And God washes us and cleanses us from our sins. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews says this, just think how much more the blood of Christ shed on the cross will purify our consciences. If you're sitting here today, if you're watching online, if you're out there in the overflow room watching this, and if you have a guilty conscience, I've got good news for you. The blood of Christ can purify your conscience, and instead of feeling guilt and shame, He can restore to you the joy of your salvation, and you can feel clean and pure, and you can know blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. The blood of Jesus will cleanse our conscience from sinful deeds so we can worship the living God for the power, by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God for us. Look, what happens when I've got a pure heart? And what happens when my heart is turned towards God? Well, I can enjoy the blessing that we talked about last week complete assurance of salvation with no sense of guilt, shame, or condemnation. And I'll tell you something else that will happen. Your prayers will get answered more easily. Your life will be under the blessing of God. When your heart is purified and cleansed, things work out well. It says in 1 John, have a look at this in 1 John, it says, if our heart condemns us, if you feel guilty, if you feel convicted, if you feel condemned, we know that God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. You can say, oh, but if you only knew my heart, I don't even know why I'm at church or why I'm watching this online because my heart is far from God. But God can take that heart, that sinful heart, that unclean heart, that impure heart, that deceitful heart, that desperately wicked heart, and He can work a miracle with it and make it a pure heart. And if your heart was pure, but you turned it away from the Lord, God can turn your heart back again, and He can wash you clean. And if your heart can, is condemning you, if you feel guilty, if you are sin conscious, then when you go to pray, you're going to think, oh, God won't answer my prayers. But if you know you're forgiven, and if you know you're clean, and if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God's presence. We receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey His commands and please Him. And what is His commands? That we believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as Christ commanded us. So let's finish with the verse we started with. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And of course, the truth is that nobody is pure in heart. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. So none of us have a pure heart. 
but by a miracle of God's grace, our hearts can be changed. That stony heart can go and a new tender heart can come in and God's Spirit will come and dwell. And if you're here today, if you're in the overflow room, if you're watching in our online campus and you do not know for sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that your heart has been miraculously changed by the grace of God, then today is the day to turn your eyes on Jesus, to put your trust and hope in Him and allow God to do a new work in you. And if you are a Christian, maybe you've been a believer for a long, long time, but you have a sin consciousness. You're aware of your faults. You're aware of your failings. You have a sense of shame, of inferiority. And you're, you're thinking, am I even saved? You don't need a new heart. You've been given a new heart. All you've done is turned it away from God and all you have to do is turn it back to Him and He shall wash it with hyssop. He will cleanse it with the blood of Jesus. He will purge you and wash away all guilt and once again you will have confidence before God. What are the benefits of a pure heart? Here's the benefits. Here's the blessings of a pure heart. You will see God. One day you will see God face to face, but in this life, when your heart is pure, you will begin to see God at work in your life and at work in the world. He always was. You were just oblivious to it, and you will become aware of it. You will know the joy of a clean conscience. There's nothing better than putting your head on the pillow at night and knowing your conscience is clean. You will know peace of mind, an attitude of gratitude for all that God has done for you. Your faith will become stronger. You will have a strong faith in God. You will have a deeper walk with God, a greater confidence about yourself because you know that God is for you and nobody can be against you. And the promise of answered prayer, if your heart does not condemn you, you know you can ask God for his promises and they will come to pass. So let's stand together, church. We're going to pray these scripture verses from the book of Psalms. We prayed them last week. We're going to pray them again. Just repeat them after me. Can I just encourage you to close your eyes, still your thoughts, open your heart and turn your heart to God. Let's say together, search me, O God, and know my heart. Reveal to me anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Fill me with 
with your Holy Spirit. Keep me in your presence. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. I believe with all my heart God raised him from the dead. I declare I am saved. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I believe it. I receive it. And I thank God for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a praise, church. Come on. He's worthy.